Come on, it's like fire. Why don't you just also stand quickly? Just raise your hands. This is Pentecost Sunday. It's all about the Holy Spirit. It's Pentecost Sunday. I just want you to raise your hands. Come on, there's an awesomeness of His presence here this morning. Why don't we just receive more of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes the mistake we make when it comes to receiving is that we start praying. And praying is always a good thing, but not when you're receiving because praying is giving. It's not a law. It's not something legalistic. But I just find that it's easier for people if you're being administered healing. Don't start praying in tongues and go for it and have an intercession session. Stand and learn how to receive. Be a receiver. Is that okay? And you do that by believing and then just allowing Him. So hands raised. Father, I just want to thank You. I just asked this morning for a fresh, fresh infilling of Your Holy Spirit. What You did for me yesterday. What You did for me this morning. Do it for your people right now. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come on, be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. On live stream, be filled. Right now. Be filled. Be filled afresh. Holy Spirit, come fall on your people. Come bless your people. Come move in your people. Touch your people in the name of Jesus. Just be in receiving mode. It's by believing to say, Lord, I receive. That's it. I receive a fresh infilling, fresh baptism. Wow. 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 So the day of Pentecost. Yeah. Wow. I promise she's not making it up. <laughs> this woman is not drunk as you suppose. She's full of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't have much time left because the Holy Spirit interrupted my very good message and, uh, and <laughs> interrupted my good sermon. But I just want to share with you the day of Pentecost, so phenomenal. And um, I just want to stress one thing. And um, the amazing thing about the day of Pentecost, you know, God works in patterns and um, he does a thing in the Old Testament and it's foreshadowed and all foreshadowing something in the New Testament. It's, it's really powerful. The Word of God is absolutely incredible. But the children of Israel, the first Passover was when they left in the Exodus and they left Egypt. And God formed them as a nation. And um, around about the 40th day, they ended up in a wilderness around the area of Mount Sinai. And quite amazingly, it was on the 50th day that Moses ascends the mountain and meets with God. And there's fire on the mountain. I mean, there's thick clouds. 
The Bible says that God came down as a fire that smoke and vapor was going up. I mean, what a sight. God spoke and God said to Moses, I'm going to speak audibly from out of the cloud so the children of Israel can hear me speaking to you. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And um, the children of Israel heard God speak. They were afraid. The mountain was shaking and trembling. It was on the 50th day. It's the first Pentecost. And at that time, God gives them the law. You know the story. You can follow it all the way from Exodus 20 right through to Exodus 32. And how when Moses comes down in his absence of 40 days or however many days he was up there, in his absence... They think Moses has gone AWOL or God's killed him on the mountain. I mean, the mountain is still shaking that they're so scared they don't want to go and touch it. I mustn't go on too long. And there's thick clouds and there's smoke going up and there's flames. And, and when God summoned Moses, I mean, there was a long, low trumpet sound. Something they all heard. Incredible. In his absence, they get Aaron. They hand in some earrings, and they make a gold calf, and they bow down and worship. And of course, you know the whole story. Moses coming down, seeing it, breaks the tablets. God's going to wipe them out. He intercedes for them. He goes back up on the mountain, and he gets the oracles of God again, and the, the covenant is confirmed. But the amazing thing was that when Moses saw all of this happening, he called the Levites, and he said, strap your swords on your sides. And every man go through and kill your neighbor. And that day, on the day of the giving of the law, 3,000 people died. And it becomes the absolute antithesis of what's going to happen thousands of years later on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost. You see, because that was the law of sin and death. But all those centuries later, on the day of Pentecost, God calls people together. It ends up that there's 120 of them. In Luke 24, 49, he says, go wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. He's referred to as the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit is. Or as the Spirit of promise or the promised Holy Spirit. And so, with manifestations, with a, a mighty rushing wind, and with fire, the Holy Spirit descends. And on that day, 3,000 people get saved. Sinai, Pentecost. Sinai, Pentecost. Because this is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Is that okay? It also almost, if I could say, canceled out another occasion. When the people got together, and in the King James translation, they all speaking one language with one mind, they said, let us build us a city. Yeah. You know, and a, a tower and reach to God, we will be like God. Yeah. So they were exalting themselves. A classic example of self-righteous, you know, attempts at reaching God. It's religion epitomized in the building of a city. And so God comes down, sees what they're doing. You know, if this is what they can do with one mind, whatever, then nothing's impossible. And he confuses them just by changing their languages. And so suddenly, the architect is going like, and he's explaining, you know, 
to the chief engineer. He's explaining his drawing. Now, you see, you need to do this brick like this. And suddenly, this guy can't understand him because he's speaking Italian. You build it a pizza, no? You know? That's what the Pope does, you know? You know what? When the Pope does his blessing, that's what he's doing, you know? Come on, everybody. I've got a big pizza. Going to cut it up in pieces. It's enough for everybody. <laughs> and everybody's going, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing, teasing, teasing. But <laughs> just joking. So, so suddenly he confused them by, just by changing their languages. And by a people of different and various languages, they are disunited. And God destroys that whole work. But the thing of a city is still, still lingers. The city is still there. Because when Abraham goes, the Bible tells us that he was looking for a city with foundations whose, you know, the architect and builder is God. So he'd go past city after city and he'd look and say, this is not what I saw. This is not what I saw. This is not what I saw. And that's why he lived in tents. He didn't stay in a city. He stayed outside. And God promised him that place. Because the uh, Hebrews tells us it's only together with us that they are perfected. Because the city they were looking for is this city. And that city was established on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. Suddenly here was the city. The church of Jesus Christ was born. That spiritual edifice in Christ. But the city was born whose architect is God. He built it with foundations. On the apostles and the prophets. Are you with me? I mean, it's just, isn't it amazing? And so now suddenly, we are that heavenly city. And John sees it in Revelation 21. I saw a city coming down out of heaven. No, wait a minute. Is it a city? Is it a bride? Is it a mountain? What is it? You know, I see the new Jerusalem. She's, the city is the wife of Christ, the bride of Christ. So he was seeing in the spirit what was happening. That happened on the day of Pentecost. Is that okay? And there's lots more that we can say about it, but I wanted to just come to a place where, for me, it just blew my mind again this week. So in Acts chapter 238, it's not the only place he says it. He said, it's Acts, he said it in Acts 10 and Acts 19 and, and the other references to it. But let me just say this. How many of you know that Paul talks about the fact that there's one body, one spirit, and then he goes on and he says, there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. Now, a lot of people get really messed up about that. But how many of you know the same people that say there's only one baptism are the same people that say that the one Lord is at least Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? So there's one Lord manifest in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So the one Lord is actually how many persons? Three. Is that okay? So they use it to say, no, there's only one baptism. There's not another baptism called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, you're the same people that say one Lord and one Lord, you know, how many of them are there? Well, there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit manifested. So well, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But actually, there's three baptisms. Three Lords, three baptisms. So when you get saved, the Spirit baptizes you into Christ, into the body of Christ. First baptism. Are you good? Second baptism is now you're born again. You come to ACF and Pastor John baptizes you because that's what you want to do and you've learned from the scriptures. He baptizes you. So a person baptizes you in water, which symbolizes what the Spirit did 
in placing you into Christ, into his body. Is that good? But then there's the third baptism, and that's the baptism that happened on the day of Pentecost. That's when Jesus, the Lord in Christ, he baptizes you with the Spirit. So listen to what Peter says on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, Peter talks to the Jews because the Holy Spirit's been poured out. 120 people are drunk, speaking in other languages, and they're all hearing them speak in their languages. But in Acts 2.38, he says, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, first baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then that's when you are then, by the Spirit, baptized into Christ. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Third baptism, that was done by Jesus. Is that okay? Now, I just want you to look at, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just just want to pause there, because you don't receive the gift of tongues. Tongues is the evidence that you've received. But the gift you receive is the Holy Spirit himself. I want to just say that again. Because most people, you know, new believers, you hear them saying, I got tongues. No, you didn't get tongues. You, you, yeah. you kind of did, but you kind of didn't. Right. You got tongues because you got something else. Right. Everybody with me? Yeah. So he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Yes. Ah. So in other words, come on, this gives me such gooseies. Man, I was enjoying myself yesterday. I was going, Jesus, this is amazing. This is amazing. I mean, I know it, but we need to know it afresh. He gives you, come on church, the third person of the Trinity as a gift. He gives you himself as a gift. He gives you this. Doesn't that make you excited? Come on, that makes me want to start all over again. Let me lay hands. Anybody else sick? Let me start again. You know? But the, he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I mean, you got that third person of the Trinity coming in. He baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Come on, church. There's no time for me to preach this, but it makes you limitless. Is that okay? It makes you a supernatural being because you received not tongues. The tongues is the evidence that you received the person. The person of the Holy Spirit, one of the Trinity, one of the Godhead, you were immersed in Him. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said this baptism in the Holy Spirit means that through the Spirit you've been identified with Jesus Christ as Lord and Christ. Is that okay? But it's such an identification. It's a different relationship. So in other words, when I'm born again, do I have the Spirit or not? Yes, you do. But it's a completely different relationship. It has a different manifestation. But we need the Holy Spirit. You know, we cannot do the works of Jesus without the Spirit of Jesus. Amen? And so the gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift. What? That should give you goosebumps now. That should be like, how's that? That's so amazing. So there's four things I just wanted to mention very quickly. The four things are this. It means... Number one, what does it mean, number one? What does it mean? It means, number one, I always have someone with me. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be in you and he'll be with you and among you. So number one, from the day you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you will always have someone with you. Number two, 
you will always have a place to belong. Because he baptizes you into the body of Christ. I don't belong here. Yes, you do. When I don't feel at home, well, you are. You, all, you have somewhere to belong. Number three, when the early church, those early disciples received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it should be true of us, I always have something to do. Come on, say, I've got something to do. Number three, I will always have the power to do what I've been called to do. Is that okay? Number one, I'll always have someone with me. That someone is the Spirit. Number two, I will always have somewhere to belong to. That's the body of Christ. Number three, I will always have something to do. Kingdom stuff. Is that okay? Number four, I will always have the power to do whatever it is that God has called me to do. Always. Always, always, always. Say, I always have the power. Always. I always will. Now, besides some of the things, the incredible thing was the outcome of the church, of them receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is that the Bible tells us in Acts 2, 42 to 47, they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine in fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And on the community, a great reverence and awe of God fell on everybody. So the local church looked like this. They glorified God through worship. They submitted and followed Christ in discipleship. They related to one another in fellowship. They gave to each other in ministry, in the giftings and in substance, and they witnessed to the lost through evangelism. Is that okay? Yeah. Now, that's what the church should look like. But somehow, you know, the, the incredible thing about it was that their services took on a format. Now, it doesn't always have to be like that. And I know here at AC, if it does happen, you know, very often, even unnoticed to me. And I remember the morning that um, Tanya Vaughn was healed, you know, with the curvature of the spine and her um, collarbone was right over the other one. And she had just been diagnosed with cancer of the spine. And the Lord healed her instantaneously. She stood up instantaneous straight. was standing straight, straight, straight up like this. Cancer gone, her spine straightened out. And this collarbone here that was right over the other one, she just straightened out completely perfectly. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what a miracle. What a miracle. Complete healing. And, um, but the services looked, and you know, that morning, Tinas was sitting there, and it was her first morning in church, and she came alone. And um, Tinas and um, Jolene were sitting there. And Tinas got up and walked over to her, not knowing anything, first time in church, and said, Jesus is going to heal you back this morning, and went and sat down. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Just operated in a word of knowledge. So it happens. Is that okay? But I want to just remind us, because it's Pentecost Sunday. I want to just remind us. So Paul talks about what these churches looked like. And that's all I'm going to do now. Read these few verses. Are you ready? So Paul, speaking to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14, the 1 Corinthian church, yeah, they were not the most mature group of people, but neither are we. I'm going to say that again. They were not the most mature group of people. I mean, there was stuff happening in there that just sounds like any church. You know, and we often, you know, we read First Corinthians and go like, hey, there's people and there's people. No, we're the same. It's like often we look back on the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. Oh, stupid people, they saw miracles. Well, you've seen miracles too, and many of you are still wandering around mountains. Look at the disciples. 
oh, Jesus did so many miracles and they still didn't believe. Yes. Listen, he did miracles this morning. As a cha- I hope it's changed your faith. So, you know, we look back, but we go to the Corinthian church, and yeah, they were. I read it with fresh eyes yesterday. Because, you know, I often used to think, you know, those stupid Corinthian Christians, you know, the babies, you know, it's a big babies, you know. They were so excited about the things of the Spirit. Paul said to them, you lack no spiritual gift as you eagerly wait, 1 Corinthians 1, as you eagerly wait Jesus Christ to be revealed. You lack nothing. In fact, it wasn't the model church as far as holiness, but it was the model church as far as the gifts of the Spirit was concerned. So much so that he has to dedicate a huge section of his letter to write to them and say, okay, now the, as far as the expressions of the Spirit, it's all good, but you know, just do it like this. But he wasn't really getting down on them. He was just saying it's more beneficial if you prophesy rather than walk around praying in tongues. But was he saying praying in tongues is bad? No. Was he saying, don't do it in the public meeting? No. He wasn't doing it. But I fell in love with those Corinthian Christians yesterday when I was reading it again. Because I was thinking, like, I wouldn't mind if my church was like that. I wouldn't mind if you were so exuberant and so excited. Man, we got the Holy Spirit. Check. And we start up conversations. Let's listen to what your tongue sounds like. Oh, it sounds like that. And, you know, it sounds like French. Whoa. And everybody is so excited about tongues. And unbelievers are coming in and going like, okay, so what language is this church in? You know, because they walk in. Is this an English church? Is this a Suti church? Is it a Zulu church? It's a... Whatever church, no, this is a crazy church, because it's like shabrabo, sabraba, and everybody's speaking, and Paul goes like, in church, in church, speak your mother language, otherwise people are going to think, <laughs> you know, these people are crazy. But then he goes on to describe, this is what your meetings look like. So 1 Corinthians 14, are you ready? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and in verse 26, he said, how is it then, brethren? When you come together, now he's been talking about, you know, the exercise of tongues above that. But in verse 26, he says, okay, now let's talk about church. Let's talk about Sunday morning, 9 a.m. at ACF. He says, when you come together, everyone, or to put it another way, one has a, okay? One has a, everyone hath a psalm. Everyone say psalm. Everyone hath a doctrine. Say doctrine. Everyone hath a tongue. Say tongue. Hath a revelation. Hath an, that's prophecy, you could say. All right? Let's just call it prophecy. Hath an interpretation. Interpretation of tongues. Let all things be done unto edifying. In other words, to build up the body of Christ. Is that okay? I love what the NIV says. What shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one of you has a hymn or a word of instruction? Uh, so it's just the ladies that have a hymn. The men have a her. Okay. Or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. I like the you know, Passion Translation. says, beloved friends, what does all this imply? When you conduct your meetings, your services, you should always let everything be done to build up the church family. Whether you share a song of praise, a teaching, 
a divine revelation, you know, word of knowledge, prophecy, or a tongue and interpretation, let each contribute what strengthens the others. Strengthen the others. Now what I'm going to do, we're going to practice this. Is that okay? You ready? We're going to practice this. So we're going to start simple. And um, he says one has a, and one has a, and one has a, and one has a, and one has a. But the first thing that I want to start off with, with you this morning. See, one of my strongest motivations besides the prophetic and apostolic is teaching. I love to teach the word. But the word always has practical application. What's the point in hearing it and its theory without practice? Practice solidifies it. And so, you know, basically Jesus said, you shall speak in other tongues, plural. Is that okay? And he wasn't talking because plural, so we will speak in other tongues, which means you have one and you have one and you have. He said, you shall speak in other tongues. So in other words, you will speak in other tongues, plural. You will speak in other tongues, plural. You will speak in other tongues, plural. I want us just to, to exercise that a little bit just to set the atmosphere. And then already as I'm speaking, I'm releasing a message in tongues. I'm releasing a message in tongues. I'm releasing it now in the Spirit, a message in tongues. So you're all listening. And then the counter gift to that is the interpretation of tongues. So I'm releasing the interpretation of tongues. But we're going to do a short practical before that. All right? So it's released. So we need to learn because it's part of unlimiting the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to learn how to pray in other tongues, plural. Now normally if you start in tongues, I can guarantee you I'm 100% right. It's good for us. I mean, I mean, you will know that if I said to you, start praying in tongues now, you would start where you always start. Is that a fair, fair comment? You will start where you always start. So I'm going to just, let's just do it. 10 seconds. Everybody pray in tongues. Good, let's stop. Well done. You started how you normally always start. Start the same word, same phrase, same same um, language, you start the same. So you start at the same place. But if you're going to speak in other tongues, one of the ways to exercise yourself is to start with a different word. Are you all ready? You're going to start with a different word. So if you normally start, start with, different language. Are you all with me? All right. On the count of three, you're going to start a different, which means different pronunciation. It's a different vocabulary. So you've got to put your tongue in a different place. Now form something different. So we're releasing new 
and other languages. You ready? Okay, let's stop. Now what we're going to do is we're going to stop, we're going to do it again. Different languages have different paces. If you hear the sort of um, South Americans, the language is quite excited. And um, Chinese, again, is different. You know, so, so very often when you start the language, it might even have a different pace to it. And so we're going to, on the count of three, we're going to start praying again. And, uh, and then for a few minutes, we're going to just do something. Is that all right? So I'm going to say one, two, three. Again, then you're going to start. One, two, three. Right, how many of you sense the difference? How many found the difference? Pray in other tongues, multiple languages. You start to unrestrict the spirit. We, we, we become almost, um, what's the word? Mundane routine. Um, we're in a rut. We take him for granted. But we need to just practice other tongues. Because what I found is that different languages go with different prayer requests. Urgent prayer requests. If I pray for things urgently, my tongue is those short, sharp, fast ones. With those languages that are almost excitable, you know. You know, when, when the Italians speak, it always sounds urgent. It's an urgency. So close your eyes. Father, I just release it. So what I'm going to do, one has a tongue. Now, it's a clear message that he will deposit, all right? A clear message. Is that good to have practical? Yeah, yeah. So you, you basically then stand up, speak up, and you deliver a message in tongues. It'll have a clear beginning, clear end, 20 seconds long, 10 seconds long. Okay? Not half an hour or 20 minutes. And you do it according to the measure of faith that you have. So very clear. So I'm going to ask uh, JD with the microphone. All right, so when you're ready, I want you to stand up. And bring JD will come up to you. Then just close your eyes, relax, and then you bring a message in tongues, all right? Ready, steady, go. If you have a clear message in tongues, I want you to stand. 
clear message in tongues. Normally it's the person whose heart is beating and racing and your eyes are starting to flutter and you're saying, Holy Spirit, not me. Here I am, Saint Andre. Come on, it's there. The gift is released. Okay, quickly. Okay, clear beginning, clear end, speak it out. Thank you. Now to another, the interpretation of that tongue. Okay, I can do it. I have it, but it's I'm not here to do it. So I've released the interpretation. It's very short. Okay, so the person with the interpretation who feel like. I understand what the Lord is saying. Quickly stand. Okay, it's probably the one whose heart is beating, whose mouth is dry, whose eyes are fluttering. Very quickly. Don't drag it out. Come on, we're Pentecostal, we're spiritual. This should be normal to us. Okay, I am alive within you. I am waiting, I am waiting, I am waiting for you to connect with me. Wow. Now that's exact. That's what I'm pushing for. Is that all right? So I discern that that's the Lord. Okay, I'm going to give one more. Father, just one more. Tongue. Message in tongues. Okay, here it is. It's there. So you can stand up and bring it anytime. Have you brought one before? Do you feel like you've got something? Do you feel like you have one? Great, stand. Okay, it's got a beginning, it's got an end, short, 20 seconds. Iga laga luga maga liga luga laga liga la. Good, good. That's your first time. You got your own personal, but that's the first time that you stood up and brought a message in tongues. Yes. Okay, great, well done. So who will bring the interpretation? Okay, so I'll tell you what. Go back. Just stand up again. Just say a few sentences in your own tongue. Good, good, excellent. More or less the same. You said the same things with two different tongues. Okay, anybody want to interpret? Who's never interpreted before? Pastor, you're going to interpret? Okay, thanks. Stand up, Pastor Maria. Come on, I want to just activate the spiritual gifts because we are noticeably absent of a lot of these. And I know I've got to give more time, but... Okay. I've been waiting to bring manifestation in your midst. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Is that good? All right. I'm going to release a revelation, a prophecy. And then I'm going to start winding to an end. I'm going to release a revelation, a prophecy. So, right, anyone who feels I have a prophetic word for the church, that'll be a message without a tongue or interpretation. So you just deliver the message. Who's got one? Jess? You want to stand up? Sometimes I see where the gift goes to. <laughs> um, so I just get a vision of uh, a very fertile land. And people are plowing the land. 
So I do believe that the land, the soil is ripe for the harvest. So it's time for planting and uh, to reap that harvest. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, everybody say, I'm fertile soil. All right. So what we're doing this morning is we're planting things, okay? All right. And then I'm just going to, just one more, a prophecy, just very quickly. I want a prophetic word. Die tyd is hier, waar die saaier die maaier voorbij gaat. Ja. Die saad wat jy nog wil saai, gaan al reeds in die oes verander. Ja. Terwijl het in jou hand is. Ja. Awesome. Now to some that would be a message in tongues. So Andre is going to stand and give the interpretation. But that's great because my brother Willie is Afrikaans. So Andre, just stand up and tell us. So God says the time is ready when the sower will be overtaking, or the reaper will be overtaking the sower. So as it is, so seed is being sown, we already see the harvest coming in. So the time is ready for that, for the supernatural to be happening here. Amen, 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 amen. Another will bring a song, the Bible says. Reach out to me. Reach out to me. 
know that awkward feeling when you're sitting next to someone in a movie and you want to hold their hand and you don't know how to do it? Well, that's what God is doing right now. He's putting His mighty hand. He's putting His mighty hand right there just for you to reach out to. Reach out to me. Reach out to me. Just reach out to me. Just want me I don't need you to bring anything but your heart all of your heart reach out reach out reach out reach out I am here I am honor you for what you've done this morning. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for touching us. Thank you for healing. Thank you for motivating us, speaking to us, encouraging us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for blessing us. And now, Lord, as I dismiss your people, I dismiss them with your blessing, with your face turned towards them, with your favor upon them. Lord, with your provision for them, your protection being their portion. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I bless the week ahead. I declare it to be a prosperous week, a blessed week, a successful week, a God-filled, Christ-feeling, spirit-motivated week. Father, a week where we're aware of your angels, your ministering spirits working with and for us, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We all agreed and said, Amen. Amen.